2: Anybody else got a case of the Mondays, as they say in office space? I certainly do hope you don't. It was an outstanding sports weekend. That'll make you feel better. Carlos Correa is the new big poppy Yankee killer. We'll go to Houston to talk about the Astros Yankee series tied at one, headed to New York. John Lopez, Sports Radio 610 in Houston, in just a bit. I'm Dave Briggs. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Home and Home, a radio.com sports original. We are brought to you by Zip Recruiter. Try Zip Recruiter for free right now. It's ziprecruiter.com slash Zip. Enter a lot to get to on a busy football Monday, including the Cowboys' big issues and the 49ers' flat-out dominance. Are they the best team in the NFC? Before we get to all that, let's bring in Ross Tucker home in Pennsylvania. Ross, I ask you first, is there bad blood between Taylor Swift, your favorite artist, and the NHL's Los Angeles Kings? Because, of course... Where a banner once stood or hung in the Staples Center, the Kings' home arena, is now a blank space because they felt they were being cursed by the Taylor Swift banner. Is this paranoia or is this outstanding sports superstition? Good morning, my friend.
3: Hey, by the way, did you did you say blank space on purpose?
2: Absolutely, I did. Boom! And bad blood. You you miss you miss bad blood.
3: I, I, had did I did miss
2: bad blood. I did
3: bad blood, but have, I heard I like I heard blank space. That was nice. Bad blood didn't like stand out when you said oh. blank space. I was like, okay, I I know what he's doing here. Yeah, evidently, evidently the Kings, uh, because she lives in Nashville, and I guess is I don't know if she's a Preds fan or not. I hope she's deep down still a Flyers fan to be honest with you, since she is from my hometown. But, yeah, they, they cover up the Taylor Swift banner at the Staples and after she sold it out like seven or eight nights in a row, which is just insane. The that will thing. solve everything. That clearly has been what has held back the L.A. Kings the last couple of years.
2: Well, look, they did win the Stanley Cup in 2012, 2014. As soon as they covered up that banner, they won their home opener on Saturday night. But do you do you love sports superstition like that, or do you think it's too much? Do you think it's a little paranoid?
3: Uh, can I say both? I do think it's a little paranoid, yeah. but I kind of love it. I mean, it's definitely paranoid, but it's kind. I kind of love it that somebody sat there and made the decision. You know what we need to do? You know what we need to fix? We need to, we need to cover up. That Taylor Swift banner for our games. Like, who's that guy, by the way? Who's the guy? Hey, Frank, your job for all 40 home games now, cover up the Taylor Swift banner. That's ruining everything. We don't want that. It just, to me, it's kind of funny. Evidently, the Clippers cover up that banner as well because they want the environment to be just strictly a Clippers environment because cuz they have so many banners and stuff to hang up there. The Lakers, <laughs> who actually do have a lot of banners, they leave it all up there. They think it's all kind of part of the charm of Hollywood and I like I like the way the Lakers do it.
2: The, uh, there's also a Taylor Swift curse in major league baseball for what it's worth. A lot of teams out there were starting to get concerned that after Taylor Swift concerts came to their home field, the team performed poorly. You had seen it in several teams across the league, so much so that front offices and Twitter accounts were getting aware of it. The Taylor Swift curse is a real thing in major league and professional sports. But you know Ross Tucker loves one thing more than Taylor Swift, and that is football, and it is a great Football Monday where we start. And we start with arguably the best team in the NFL, for sure what looks like the best team in the NFC. The San Francisco 49ers remain undefeated. They absolutely pound the Los Angeles Rams in what felt like another away game at the Rams home field, much like the Chargers did late last night. We'll get into more of that in a second, but 20 to seven. This one didn't feel like a game and the numbers are stunning. 165 total yards for this unique high-flying Rams offense. No Todd Gurley, Malcolm Brown ineffective in the numbers for Jared Goff, Are ugly. 13 of 24 for 78 yards. Essentially, what happened is what happened with Twitter yesterday, with Fortnite yesterday. I don't know how many people saw the black hole that sucked Fortnite in and now is a black screen. That's what happened to the Rams offense because this Niners front seven is real, Ross. Did they make San Francisco the best team in the NFC?
3: So, okay. I think so. Yes. Now, I know because I pulled the question yesterday on Twitter at Ross Tucker NFL. He's at Dave Briggs TV. Our show is at RDC Home and Home, which you should absolutely follow, by the way, because the millennials do a great job posting our video clips all over social. But I posed a question on Twitter, Dave, and there were some Saints fans that said, no, it's us. There were some Packers fans that said, no, it's us. But right now, after what I witnessed yesterday, the Niners are getting my vote. I mean, you go to L.A. And by the way, they don't have either starting offensive tackle, left tackle Joe Staley, right tackle Mike McGlinchey, or their do-it-all fullback jack-of-all-trades Kyle Hughes check. All those guys, they're going to get back later on the season in four to six weeks or whatever. And they still went to L.A. And they didn't just beat the Rams. They beat them down, Dave. I mean, that was – I love the Niners. I'm on board with the Niners. I said to take the over on their season win total before the year. Love the physicality on offense. How they run the ball. They weren't that effective running it, but they just keep pounding it, coming at you. And their defense is as legit as legit gets. Fred Warner at linebacker, certainly DeForest Buckner and Nick Bose up front. To consider this, Dave the Rams on the first drive of the game, no Todd Gurley, they handed off to Malcolm Brown, they marched down, reversed to Robert Woods for a touchdown. Oh man, here we go. Here come the Rams who were desperate, desperate for a win after losing two straight, getting back home, extra time to prepare. The Rams played on Thursday, 10 games off. The Niners just played Monday night, six days. I mean, that's a significant difference in terms of how they should feel health-wise, in terms of preparation. And then after that first drive, nothing, nada, zero, zip, zilch. The Niners totally stopped them. Look, I was watching the red zone, right, Dave? And red zone's great. I love it. And I'm watching that. Every time they went to the Niners game against the Rams, it was third or fourth down for the Rams. And the Niners shut them down. It was unbelievable. At least 10 third downs, at least five fourth downs, including goal line stands. It was awesome. And they would show... The, the Niners D coordinator, Robert Sala, who's got the bald head. He's flexing. He's like, ah, oh. ah. It was like, I love the Niners. I love that dude. By the way, I put this on Twitter too, Dave. 100% chance Robert Sala gets a head coaching job this offseason because, A, the Niners are good. B, the Niners defense is awesome in particular. And C, some owner is going to watch those clips of him on the red zone and be like, that's who I want.
2: I want that guy. That's what our team needs. We need a fiery... Yeah, I, I think a lot of teams got to be wanting a piece of that fire. He was outstanding. The defense has been terrific. And the numbers for the Rams in those crucial situations are flat out stunning because as we know, Todd Gurley, yes, didn't play, but he hadn't really been effective up to this point. He has scored touchdowns, but he really hasn't been the same guy. So that clearly wasn't the issue And the Rams. Oh, and thirteen on third and fourth down. When they needed a big play, they could not come up with it. And this, of course, was very different than the prior two games in which the Rams put up a total of almost 70 points and threw the ball 117 times. This one, just those 24 attempts, 13 completions. Let's hear from the victorious head coach, Kyle Shanahan, and a rejuvenated Richard Sherman after the big Niners win Sunday. I thought it was huge. I
0: mean, just the way they battled all day. You know, that first drive. You know, I haven't been a part of many first drives where you see the team run it eight times in a row just right down your throat. And um, they only ended up with seven, right? Yeah for, yeah, yeah, for that to be it. I mean, that's that's a uh, the way the guys recovered after that. I mean, that was a hell of a deal. They kept battling. Uh, you guys know we went in. Um, some guys down which was a huge challenge but um, you know losing Tevin for at times in that game Breida, Debo, Marquise um, you know there, there was a lot we had to use everyone and the guys toughed it out and um, it makes it a lot easier when uh, our defense plays that way.
1: It's business as usual um, the previous performances should have been enough to get these guys the respect they deserve um, D4 played outstanding today DeForest Eric Armstead again make, made a huge impact in the run game pass game d always um jaquaski tart jaquaski tart you know because I feel like he's not getting enough love because they just don't know how to say his name so I'm just helping everybody out jaquaski <laughs> tart we want them to sound dumb at the end like stick to your guns if you were calling us pretenders in the beginning call us pretenders now call us pretenders the whole time because you gotta you gotta be that way you don't get to go hindsight is 2020 with this every year. You know what I mean? Just stick to your words. Stick to your guns. We're, we're a terrible team. We're not, we don't have enough talent. We're just, you know, on a rebuilding year, et cetera, et cetera. Whatever the case may be, whatever your word was, please stick to it. For those who believed in us, the the faithful, continue to believe in us, continue to be humble. We're going to give you guys a good show. We're going to fight as hard as we can.
2: Richard Sherman wants you to doubt him. Richard Sherman wants you to believe that this 49ers team is overrated, that they are a paper champion. That's why he made up that whole BS situation with the handshake and Baker Mayfield. He lives for that chip on the shoulder much the way the New England Patriots do. He will always find a reason that you are doubting him and that you don't believe in the 49ers. That's what this defense needs to believe that everyone doubts them. Here's the question. When we come to the end of this game, we heard from Kyle Shanahan there, Ross. He has been excellent. What he has done with this football team, 180 rush yards per game you mentioned without their two starting tackles without their outstanding fullback Kyle Juszczyk and we forget before this season started Jared McKinnon Jarek McKinnon who was expected to carry a lot of the load for this football team he was knocked out for the season Kyle Shanahan has done a terrific job with the Niners are you pumping the brakes a little bit On Sean McVay and how creative, how brilliant this young man is, this offense cannot make adjustments. They are not making any adjustments. Minus 29 net yards with a fumble. Two first downs in the entire second half. The NFL is all about adjustments. Why is Sean McVay having so much trouble making them?
3: It's a good question. Um, First of all, I think you have to give the Niners defense a lot of credit like we did. And I don't know what Richard Sherman's talking about. Was anybody really a Niners hater before the year? I mean, I I, I think people either believed that they could be a surprise team or they were indifferent to them. Like, who were these haters, Richard? I, I would love names and what they said. I told you earlier, I'm one of the people that told people to take the over on their season win total number, which was eight. That's looking pretty good, by the way. So I don't know what he's talking about half the time he talks, to be honest with you. As for Sean McVay, I think it's a a real knock on him. I, I mean, it really is. You have to find a way to manufacture more offense than that. And I know Todd Gurley's out. I don't care. I also know they're having some offensive line issues. I also don't care. Because you know what? It's kind of like the Cowboys didn't have their offensive tackles in yesterday's game against the Jets. Does it matter? Yeah, absolutely. Does it have an impact? For sure. Guess what? Welcome to the freaking NFL. Okay? What separates the good from the great, the great from the elite, is the ability to still perform even when you don't have all of your guys. And the Niners did it. Niners did just fine on offense. They weren't great, but just fine with you said, Dave, and I said earlier, without both their offensive tackles and use check. So the Rams don't have an excuse not having Todd Gurley out there. You still have guys like Robert Woods and Brandon Cooks. You still have golf. You can't have him. Mean, at one point, it was like 27 passing yards for Jared Goff. Then it was 50. I don't even know how many he finished with, but it was it was embarrassing. Sean McVay after the game, it was humbling, and he's right. It, it it should have been humbling for him.
2: Let's listen to Sean McVay quick. This is uh, uncharted territory for you, Sean. You've
3: never lost three games yep. in the
2: Yeah, The same way that you navigate through a win or a loss, and that's go back to work, try to find a way to just continue to get better, use every opportunity as a learning experience. Um, Was it a humbling day for us? Absolutely, but it's something that we're going to learn from. Um, We're not going to let it demoralize us. Uh, That's a good football team. They did a nice job. We didn't do enough collectively, and, and we'll all look inwardly, and we'll figure out how to be better moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I, I trust that this is a mentally tough team. We've got mentally tough people in our building. Uh, this is a real opportunity to be what we say we are. And, and that's we're just going to go to work. We're going to stay together. We're not going to let the outside-in influences uh, you know, create a divide with us. And, and that's something that I trust we will do. And, and we're going to work as hard as possible just to continue to be solution-oriented. And that's all I know how to do. Very positive. Sean McVay failing to make adjustments. Failing to make them at halftime. And we're going to find out. They're going to go to Atlanta. Yes, a bad football team, but a football team that can easy put up 35, 40 points. You're going to have a shootout, a shootout. They are going to have to win in decisive fashion to put the doubts aside. San Francisco goes to Washington. They will remain undefeated. Let's just go ahead and conclude that. But those coaches that make adjustments, we talked about it, and those coaches that don't, and Sean Garrett, uh, Jason Garrett, excuse me, he falls into that latter category of coaches who are not making adjustments. Again, a lot of injuries for the Dallas Cowboys. They're without their starting tackles. And those tackles, Tyron Smith and Lyle Collins, are key, are pivotal to everything Dallas does. But again, look at the Niners. Look at how they've adjusted. Dallas was also without Randall Cobb, and then Amari Cooper got injured. Not sure how long this bruise is going to keep him out. Some feel that he might return this week. But Dallas, just a brutal loss, Ross. A brutal loss at the New York Jets. Sam Darnold back from mono. This is a game that Dallas Cowboys absolutely, positively have to win and have to make a statement. A lot of people are looking at the failed two-point conversion that would have tied this game, their only option to throw to the guy that was in the Monday Night Football booth last year, Jason Witten. Jamal Adams blitzed straight up the gut, should have been picked up, should have been seen, should have been adjusted to. I don't think that's where this game was lost. Jason Garrett lost this game in the second quarter, 7-3, Jets lead. Cowboys, instead of putting a field goal on the board to make it 7-6, Go for it on fourth down. They fail. They had no creative play there. And boom, 92-yard Sam Darnold touchdown pass. And this game went from, instead of 7-6, 14-3. And the Jets were off and running. What is with these slow starts from the Dallas Cowboys, Ross?
3: Yeah, it's interesting, though, because like I'm sitting here listening to you talking about adjustments, and... Evidently, they did make some adjustments to come back and get it to 24-22, but it was too little too late. I I, I was so impressed by the way the Jets started out in this game. They, They look like a totally, totally different team. And it's not just Sam Darnold, though. He absolutely makes a big impact. I just think it reverberates throughout the locker room when you have a guy like Sam Darnold out there But if you're the Cowboys, this is a couple weeks in a a row now where and and it's funny because, you know, you mentioned Jason Garrett. I I think he has really given a lot of the offensive reins to Kellen Moore and everybody was praising Kellen Moore earlier in the year. I guess my point would be, you know, Jason Garrett's ultimately the guy in charge of everything. But Mm -hmm. if Kellen Moore was getting the praise the first three weeks, Kellen Moore has got to be getting some of the blame these three weeks. It can't be the case where Kellen Mm -hmm. Moore gets the praise and Jason Garrett gets the blame. The same person or both should be getting both. And that's the case right now for the Cowboys. I know it's not easy when you don't have your offensive tackles, but we just talked about it. The Niners found a way. Amari Cooper going down. Certainly hurt, but you still have Zeke Elliott to run the offense through and you still have Dak Prescott and some other weapons. I actually think, Dave, the bigger issue for the Cowboys in this game was their defense. And you might say, oh, it's only 24 points. The Jets hadn't been able to do anything to anyone. And for the Cowboys to give up 21 points like that early in the first half and then the Cowboys have to fight back from it. I felt like this was as much on the defense as it was on the offense. And I think you could say the same thing about how they let Aaron Jones and the Packers slice and dice them last Sunday. You know, the offense at least has some guys out and some issues. The defense, I mean, these are their guys Malik Collins, Demarcus Lawrence, Leighton Van Der Esch, Byron Jones, Jalen. Lins- I mean, these are their guys. And. They're not living up to their part on that side of the ball. I actually think that's a bigger issue the last two games in particular than the offense.
2: I would agree with you. Three straight wins to start the season now. Three losses makes you think this team went from a Super Bowl favorite in the NFC to, wow, could they at some point see themselves on the uh, inside outside looking in? Let's hear from the head coach under a lot of fire. Let me read you a headline in the Dallas Morning News sports section this morning. The headline read, it's too early for Cowboys to fire Jason Garrett but his arrogance is inching him closer to the end. That's how the hometown paper is covering Jason Garrett. Let's listen to his reaction.
0: And oftentimes execution and emotion work hand in hand. You know, when you're having success, there's a lot to be fired up about. And, and when you're on the other side of you, you just got to keep fighting through it to make some plays. Ultimately, at the end of the first half, we're able to, You know, pieced together a little bit of a drive to kick the long field goal, and I thought it was better in the second half. The execution uh, ultimately picked up in all three phases of our team, and we gave ourselves a chance at the end. We certainly didn't execute and play to the level that we needed to. And uh, like I said, we didn't convert an early third down. They got a long drive, and at different points, they were making the plays, and we weren't making the plays.
2: That's Jason Garrett after a very tough loss by the Dallas Cowboys at the New York Jets and young Sam Darnold. Jerry Jones last week on our friends 105-3 The Fan said, don't bet any money on Jer- Jason Garrett getting fired. You will lose it. This is the last year of his contract. As we know, Dak Prescott still waiting on that contract. How long before Jerry Jones, who... Had his birthday yesterday, Ross. How long before we start hearing Lincoln Riley's name mentioned in connection with that job?
3: Well, I think you're going to hear a a bunch of names connected with that job, especially Lincoln Riley. And to clarify, you know, Jerry Jones said, don't bet on Jason Garrett getting fired during the season. Uh, I I think that him after the season – is a lot more likely, although he really wouldn't even be getting fired. He's in the last year mm-hmm. of his contract. So Jerry Jones would end up not having to pay out any extra money. He would just move on from Jason Garrett and move on to the next guy. And, and I think that he'd be fine with that at this point if they can't turn this around. For them to start off the way they did and then lose the last three games, especially a home game to Green Bay – and now a road game to the lowly Jets. I mean, you can almost understand that Saints Sunday nighter. okay. Saints are good on the road. Although even that was Teddy Bridgewater. So you look at the, the Cowboys and these are three very winnable games that are going to come back to haunt them. I just can't even describe for you, Dave, how important Sunday night's game is between the Eagles and the Cowboys. I mean, these are two teams, <laughs> NFC East. I mean, it is that game is gigantic for both those teams. I don't think Jerry Jones would fire Jason Garrett if they lost it, but that game is going to go a long way towards determining the NFC East and, and who reigns supreme in that in that division for both those teams. That game should be awesome. And I think for the Cowboys, they gotta find a way. To get back to getting off to a fast start like they did earlier in the season. And by the way, that's the Eagles issue too. They were down 10-0 again yesterday. Seems seemed like
2: the Eagles do that every game. Boy, that that Eagles secondary, I can't imagine what Roseman is, not, is now offering for Jalen Ramsey. That secondary has to have Jalen Ramsey. They've got to offer the two number ones, maybe a number two, maybe something beyond that. There are whispers that Patrick Peterson could become available. Another outstanding corner, Adam Schefter reporting that. They have got to get some help in the secondary. Let's finish up quickly on that Cowboys game with Sam Darnold. Sports pages are here. Whatever Sam's got, catch it. How good is this kid?
3: He's pretty good, man. Uh, I've liked him ever since high school. He played in the U.S. Army Bowl uh, back when I I, I was the uh, color commentator for that one, and he was just he was a cool customer. Yeah, I don't know if you know the story, Dave, but Ricky Town was the number one ranked player in the country when they were sophomores, and he committed to USC. And Darnold played like wide receiver as a sophomore. Then as a junior, he played quarterback for the first time and was very good, very impressive, and then went to a summer camp at USC and was so impressive. Ricky Town was at the same summer camp, so impressive that USC offered him a scholarship, even though they already had their quarterback in Ricky Town. And Darnold actually, it came down to for him, going to Duke, So he could work with David Cutcliffe or USC. He decided to go to USC even though we know that Ricky Town was already going there. He didn't care. He's like, yeah, I'll beat him out. And that's exactly what he did. We all saw what he did in the Rose Bowl as a redshirt freshman. He just reminds me a lot of guys like Tony Romo. He's got a terrific feel for the game, spatial awareness, just an innate knack for knowing what to do. He's fun to watch, and the Jets clearly are a totally different team with him in the lineup.
2: Coming up in just a bit, we'll talk Seahawks, Browns. How much trouble is Baker, Mayfield, and Cleveland in? They are in a world of hurt. We'll talk about that in two minutes, but it sounds to you like Sam Darnold is hired. There's no question. And how happy was
3: Adam Gase to have Sam Darnold? About as happy as my buddy Dylan Miskowitz was when he finally got the director of coffee that he needed for his organic company, organic coffee company. He was having trouble finding qualified applicants. So he switched to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you, it finds them for you. It's technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. So you get qualified candidates fast. Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter and see what he said. He was impressed by how quickly he had great candidates apply. He also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants so he could focus on the most relevant ones. That's how Dylan found his new director of coffee in just a few days, with results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address: ZipRecruiter.com/enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com/enter. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire.
2: Sam Darnold is hired. Baker Mayfield feels like a guy who could get fired. He is not playing good football this season. It has been a dumpster fire from the start against Tennessee all the way yesterday, another debacle against the Seattle Seahawks on the flip side, MVP like play from Russell Wilson. But let's zero in on Baker Mayfield, who has now thrown 25 interceptions in 20 career games. He threw three yesterday, and the Browns are now feeling like they're in a hole that they will not be capable of digging out of. They are two and four. Here is Baker Mayfield after another. Ugly. Lost this one at home against Seattle. Baker, do you, do you feel like this is a two and four
0: team? Or when you think about that record, for the way you guys have played at times, what do you think of that?
2: Um, I think we've played better at times than two and four, but uh, the fact is, we are two and four. Uh, there's no getting around it. Um, there's no way of hiding that. That's why we have to learn from it and get better. So, are you angry? Are you angry? Just sort of how?
0: Yeah, we lost some Pretty pissed.
2: So you're angry at the start of this game? I mean, geez, guys, you're like my counselor right now. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, I try and get an edge. I'm not angry. That's Baker Mayfield after another loss, three interceptions. The struggle continues, 25 picks, 20 games, Cleveland 2-4. and four. And this one looked different, looked different than the other ones because they jumped down. A 20-6 to lead at home against Seattle, and this one... Nick Chubb was established and he was running extraordinarily well. What happened? And is it too late now for this Cleveland team to dig out of that hole at two and four, Ross? Or is there still time to salvage this thing and turn it around?
3: Well, there is still time because of the fact that they are in the AFC North, which is not very impressive. The Bengals are winless. Steelers got their second win uh, in L.A. last night. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Mm -hmm. Now, the Ravens have gotten a fourth win. So the Ravens, but they're not, I mean, it's the same Ravens team that the Browns walloped a couple weeks ago. So I don't think they're, they're done because they're in the AFC North. But obviously, they're having some major issues. I will say this, Dave. I like how Baker answered those questions right there. And I've been pretty critical of him, but I can see why you like him. You know, that was good. He's like, (laughs) "Uh, yeah, we lost. I'm pissed. Were you pissed at the start? Uh, Gosh, no. I mean, I get an edge, but I like you guys like my counselors right now. That was good. Good for you, Baker. You can do stuff like that, by the way. You can be honest and say things without putting yourself or your team in a bad position by saying things about other players or your teammates or whatever. So kudos to him. That was entertaining. I liked it. They were entertaining, especially at the start of the game. I mean, to go down there and score the way they did, Nick Chubb was rolling. Baker ran for a touchdown. He was accurate. I mean, they really had it going in the first half, but they just could not sustain. And their defense, which had been really good. I mean, their defense had been really good, Dave. They really let them down. I mean, you can't give up 32 points to the Seahawks at home. I mean, and Miles Garrett, I guess, did his part. He had a couple sacks. But that, to me, was the biggest difference. People will point to the Baker-Mayfield interceptions, and I get it. You know, he's the big name. He's the star. But you can't give up that many points if you're the Cleveland Browns at home to a Seahawks offense. It's all right. And they were missing their left tackle in Dwayne Brown. Uh, Not good at all. And I'll I'll be very curious. We've talked about this throughout the year. I'll be very curious to see if things start to unravel from a locker room standpoint, from an Odell Beckham Jr., Baker Mayfield standpoint. It's just funny to me to watch Baker Mayfield after he said, you know, how could you draft Daniel Jones that high? You got to win. You got to win. Well, hey, Baker, you got to win, buddy.
2: Yeah, I think it's toast. I, I think they're done. I got to be honest. I thought this was a playoff team. And I've never, as you know, and as you just said, I've never minded the personality. I love the personality of Baker Mayfield. The reason he's having problems has nothing to do with that personality. He is just not comfortable, not making good decisions. The guy we saw last year spread the football around, never locked into anyone. You can't help but think the Odell factor is almost hurting him. He broke the rookie record for touchdown passes, but nobody caught more than four touchdowns last year. He spread it all over the field yesterday, 11 targets for OBJ. He does get the 101 yards, but it does not help this Cleveland offense. And the reason I think it's over is because they're going to go on a bye. Then they're going to get killed by New England. And then they're going to go to Denver And frankly, the way Denver's defense is playing, I don't think they win that that football game in Denver. Then they take on Buffalo and Pittsburgh, two really good defenses right now. Not entirely clear. That team can even get to 500. I don't know how to project it until very late in the season. So bye, 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 I'm saying to Cleveland. And if you missed the touchdown celebration for Seattle, it was easily my favorite in years. They did the in-sync Bye-bye-bye dance, brilliantly, perfectly choreographed in the end zone. Anyway, that's just a side note. And what is Russell Wilson's MVP campaign? He continues to just be perfect. 23 of 33, 295, two touchdowns. He now has 14 touchdowns, no interceptions this season. As good as run CMC is and has been, we'll talk about him later, Russell Wilson looks like the clear front runner in my book for the MVP, Ross.
3: I think you're right. Uh, I, I think he is the guy. You know, people have talked about Mahomes earlier, and I think Mahomes is still on the running. I'll give you another name, too, and that's mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson from the Houston Texans. I know we're going to be talking a little Texans. There's a lot going on in the Houston sports world in a few minutes with John Lopez our man on the scene there in Houston. Uh but I think Russell Wilson's the favorite. I'm just not that sure. Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes aren't that far behind, but certainly it feels like there's been some separation for Russell Wilson the last couple of weeks with some of the wins he's gotten dramatic fashion over the Rams, Thursday night football, dramatic over the Browns yesterday. He and and by the way He's just so fun to watch when he's running around and some of the plays he able to make the schoolyard plays. It's awesome. Able to get done on the road and Patrick Mahomes and the chiefs kind of slipping a little bit hurting his MVP case.
2: Yeah. Mahomes has come on some hard times and you can't help, but wonder if they're going to be able to give him a week off with that ailing ankle. Look, He's still throwing touchdowns, three TDs. He's still putting up massive yards and is on pace to break his own record. But it's just a question of when can he get some time to rest that ankle. Their buy is not until week 12. They got Tyree kill back and it was still not enough. And we are going to get a lot more into the Deshaun Watson-Patrick Mahomes game next with John Lopez. We'll also break it down in our own way to start the 9 o'clock hour. But up next, we're also going to talk to John Lopez about the Houston Astros, who had a huge win. I would say it's overused in sports. It's a cliche, yes. But it was an absolute must win for the Houston Astros against the Yankees and the ALCS. Is Carlos Correa, the new Big Poppy? The Yankee killer, are they back in this series? We'll talk Texans, we'll talk Astros, heck, maybe even a little Houston Rockets controversy after a quick break. We'll go to Houston with John Lopez. The ALCS is tied at one series. Everyone was waiting for, has been all it was promised to be. Carlos Correa, he's a new big poppy. Yankee killer is second postseason walk off against the Yankees it was an epic blast in the 11th and there's the New York Papers not to be let's listen to Carlos Correa after evening the ALCS late last night
0: how big is it for you uh, two two parts because to come through in this situation on the biggest stage such an important game and number two what did you think about the Uh, your home run and the fact that it got had to get reviewed a little boy up there tried to make a play that kind of thing yeah it's it's important not only for me but for the team as well we're 2-0 now you know we we have a good lead obviously we're not gonna lay back and and rest on that we're gonna keep playing good baseball and hopefully finish it in new york but but i think it was huge for the team so you know really happy about
2: that what? Those of you listening or watching on the radio.com app probably had the same reaction we did. Yes, Carlos Correa said, I think he said they are up 2 0 in that series. It is tied at one, headed to New York. Let's go to the center of the sports universe which is right now the city of Houston, Texas. Our friend John Lopez from Sports Radio 610 there in Houston. Good to see you, John. It's Dave Briggs. It's Ross Tucker. Did Carlos Correa think the Astros were up 2-0 going to New York, or was he just confused?
0: I mean, probably. I mean, (laughs) you know, he's not paid to do math. He's paid to to, to hit balls like that and show off his incredible arm, uh, etc., But, yeah, probably he probably did think that. Uh, You said center of the the sports universe. I don't know what to do. It's like I don't know what to do with my hand. It's like I'm somewhere I'm not supposed to be because this is not something that we're accustomed to in Houston.
2: Yeah, no doubt about that.
3: (laughs) Go ahead, Dave. (laughs)
2: No, I was going to follow up on on Carlos Correa. Um, What was interesting about that home run isn't just the brilliant swing that that guy has in the postseason clutch, but the whole mantra of baseball right now is we play loud. He hits that ball. He admires it. He puts his hand up to his ear to listen to the crowd. He shoots a free throw with his helmet into his teammates at home plate. Boy, that was some serious ass swagger for a baseball player. Is that the kind of guy he is? And do the New York Yankees get it all offended by that?
0: I'm sure the Yankees got offended. You know, this stuff in this era of sports and just, you know, society, that stuff never bothers me anymore. I mean, I think these old school guys, look, if you can do it in football and basketball, why can't you do it in baseball? Just have some fun. And by the way, that, that, that ear to the to the that hand of the ear thing that he did I think that was more for the critics than just to hear the uh, uh the, the fans calling you know he's been somewhat criticized often injured people are wondering or I'd rather keep Garrett Cole and sign him than Carlos Correa down the line and you know because he's just always you know he's missed so many games in the last couple of years and I think that was more toward the critics to be honest.
3: So my question is John and you heard Dave say that you guys are the center of the sports universe right now. My question is today. And I know you haven't been on yet, but already the morning guys have been on. Do you think you'll get more Astros calls or more Texans calls and kind of give me the breakdown of of how people are feeling. I mean, I know it's a it's a football town, but the Astros had a huge win in the ALCS. Well, let me put it this way
0: the Astros are the honeymoon the Texans are the marriage you know they're, they're, this city is in it with the Texans for the long haul this is a football city this is uh, never going to change but the Astros have a long legacy now I mean since 1962 here and and you know having been on this three consecutive 100 win seasons the World Series in 2017 and now you know who knows what's going to happen here with this great series with the Yankees uh, trust me, this is an Astros town uh, for now and people always have the Astros uh, as kind of the kind of the beloved team, but it's about football in Houston, Texas by and large.
2: All right, well, then one more question on the Astros, and then we'll get to that football. Garrett Cole on the mound Game 3 has uh, 24 straight starts without a loss, 18-0, 166 ERA, and 250 Ks in those 24 starts. Do so they have the Yankees right where they want them?
0: They do for Game 3. Now, Game 4 is a whole different story, but on Garrett Cole – You know i'm old enough to remember mike scott in 1986 against the new york mets and being absolutely positively untouchable it was not fair had the had the mets not won the game six in 1986 the astros would have won a world series then because mike scott was that untouchable garrett cole is every bit as untouchable right now as mike scott i'm telling you right here right now the yankees have no chance against garrett cole if he goes at least seven eight innings because He's just absolutely untouchable. Game four is a different story. Uh, Zach Greinke has, uh, if they're going to go with Zach Greinke, we don't even know that for sure. Uh, That's a totally different story. They might have to piece together uh, a starting lineup or
3: a pitching lineup. Speaking, John, of untouchable right now, how about two games in a row in which Deshaun Watson has not been sacked? That's crazy. I mean, with that offensive line, his pension for holding the ball earlier in the year, it felt like he was getting sacked 10 times a game. I guess the question is, do you feel like it's more offensive line improvement or more Deshaun doing a good job of getting the ball out of his hands and not holding it as much?
0: I think the answer is yes. Uh, I think it's both of those things. But Deshaun Watson is starting to show just what we expected uh, out of him. And, and I want to do something that is very rarely done in Houston, Texas, and that's credit Bill O'Brien <laughs> because I think his play calling uh, has been vastly, vastly criticized over the years. Could not have been better yesterday. Those run pass options that he had uh, were just – and the good thing about it is like running the old Oklahoma wishbone. Once he figured it out – that the Kansas City Chiefs had no answer to that RPO, the little run pass on the left or on the right, to usually to Will Fuller. It was like run it, run it, run it, run it, run it. It was like Barry Switzer running the wishbone, and the Chiefs had no, uh, no clue for that. And I think Bill O'Brien called a really good game. Deshaun Watson is coming into uh, just an incredible realm right now. He's a different type of player. He is truly going to be a great one.
2: Yeah, I I actually had the same reaction on Bill O'Brien in particular because Patrick Mahomes goes right down that football field to start the game. I think he had 116 yards passing in the first drive, and they had a 17.3 lead. You could easily see Bill O'Brien abandoning the game plan and just starting to chuck it deep downfield trying to come back. He was very, very patient, and the sexiest stat in the NFL against the Chiefs is time of possession. And they possessed it for 39 minutes. How do you do that with Carlos Hyde?
0: Well, I think part of it was the Chiefs' uh, problem as well. Their defensive front, their front seven has been horrendous against the run, as you guys know. And, and that was just another part of that RPO. I mean, you know, he would hand it off sometimes. And Carlos Hyde went over, for, over 100 yards for the first time this season. You know, he's not a 100-yard-a-game kind of guy. Uh, so I think it was a combination of Bill O'Brien's best calling I've ever seen, uh, play calling I've ever seen out of him since he's been here for six years, the offensive line dominating, the Kansas City defensive line and defensive front not being that good, and just a good day for Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson is really coming into his own, as I said earlier. Keep this in mind. These are the two best wins of the Bill O'Brien era. I, I challenge anybody who's watching or listening to go back and look at look at Bill O'Brien's wins. His two signature wins. Now, it's nothing to brag about, but his two signature wins are the last two wins uh, on the road against the Chargers and now the Chiefs. That's kind of good news, bad news, right? Those are two good wins, but there should be better ones in his career.
3: I, I would agree with that, John. I think that's a pretty good point. Uh, but man, things are looking up right now with the way they're playing. I still don't understand why Jadavian Clowney's not on the roster. Because then I think that they would really have a chance uh, this year to do something potentially special. But I think that's probably another topic for another day. Actually, I changed my mind. I'm asking it right now. Have you ever got an explanation for why he did that, John? Because if they did have Clowney, I feel like they could be up there maybe with the New Englands in the world and be able to give them a run hundred
0: percent. Totally agree. Keep in mind, the Texans could have everything that they have right now and Jadeveon Clowney. You're, you're, you're not taking away, I mean, you traded him for two guys that aren't even seeing the field. You know what I mean? So everything that the Texans have right now, you could have still today and also still have Jadeveon Clowney. It was a, a butting of the heads. It was a personality. It was, it was a relationship that was uh, beyond repair, and they did it. They did it for their own selfish reasons, not for the sake of the team, to be honest.
2: And the other controversial uh, move, of course, was the two number ones for Laramie Tunsil. Does that look better today or still in retrospect a bad move? Some don't love the way he's performed for this offensive line.
0: I will say this. It, it's, And I've said this on my radio show. If he becomes a franchise left tackle and this team goes to where we think it could go now, and that's a deep run in the postseason, then it's worth two two ones. I think it was a very, very uh, expensive trade, obviously. That's stating the obvious. But if you get what what you desired out of it, well, then it was a good trade. You know what I mean? So I, I think that's a to-be-determined.
3: I think that's probably fair, John. Um, speaking of football in the city of Houston, I got to get your thoughts, and maybe, maybe twofold, right, on – The Houston Cougars situation, Dave and I talked about it last week here on Home and Home, always available on the Radio.com app as well as Radio.com slash home, about the string and thread of tweets from Justin Murphy about his belief, the former Houston offensive guard, that the Cougars are tanking this season and Holgerson asking seniors to redshirt. I guess I want first your opinion, John, and then mm-hmm. has it been a big topic there? And are people supporting Holgerson or calling him out?
0: Uh, it has been a big topic here, and I, I said it before he even used the word when they when they let Derek King redshirt and the receiver redshirt. I, I I said I've never seen a college football team tank. That's exactly what this is doing. And I think it's totally unfair. And I don't mean to get too hokey here, but you guys know this. When a a class comes into college together, the most special time in college, presuming some of them don't go uh, professional early, is your senior season, right? You always remember your senior season, how you did. You went through all four years. Dana Hoverson is telling his seniors, we're giving up on your senior season. In fact, some of you should redshirt so we can get better next year. It's absolutely tanking. And it's frankly an embarrassment for the administration to allow him to do this, much less for Hoverson himself.
3: So what can prevent the the situation? Sorry, Dave. I was going to say, what's been the reaction of the people that have called into your show and the people in the Houston community?
0: well as long as you're not a houston cougars fan uh the reaction has been the same uh, you know how college football fans are they're like america's uh, english league soccer fans you know whatever it, it takes to support your guys they're kind of in a quandary right now though they want to support uh the the, the players and they want to support the the, the coach and their butting heads with each other uh no i think i think anyone with a brain realizes this is not fair to the kids and i guess i can say kids but to the players uh, it's just unfair. It's asking too much. You're giving up on this season. I mean, uh, frankly, you know, your two of your best players are already gone, and so what do you, what do you have? You're tanking.
2: So if the uh, Texans and the Astros were not enough, the biggest sports story. In the world over the last week to 10 days to two weeks has been what's going on between the NBA and China and having to do with Houston Rockets general manager Daryl Morey tweeting his support for the Hong Kong protesters deleting that tweet and the whole world blew up and this battle is currently ongoing China tearing down banners canceling media availability canceling business relationships between the NBA between the Rockets, between China. Uh, What are you hearing on the Rockets front? Does Daryl Morey, how regretful is he? And the players are now thrown right into the middle of this with James Harden not wanting to speak about it. Where does this story go from here? I'll tell you,
0: people toss around the term an international incident uh, way too casually. This is legitimately an international incident. It's billions of dollars on the line it's geopolitical forces uh, arguing with each other uh it's obviously very personal and it's one of and it's one of those situations where frankly even though the rockets have said that that Daryl they're not going to fire daryl moray this is going to go over there's too much on the line there are there are other owners in the nba that are losing money here they're having to to adjust potentially uh the salary cap for next year so players are losing money and this is not going away because china has all the leverage because the nba was stuck in a and adam silver to his credit defended daryl Morey's right to say that and oh by the way daryl Morey is on the right side of this story we all know that you know for for helping freedom fighters and supporting freedom fighters so Dar- adam silver is on and daryl Morey are on the right side of the argument but they're on the wrong side of almost a billion dollars uh and so they're in such a they're such a bad spot i frankly think this and this is where i'm going with this they're going to give Daryl Morey a soft exit, a soft landing. I think they're going to sit with him if they haven't already, Adam Silver, other owners, and the NBA, and, and Kilman Fortita, the Rockets owner, and they're going to say, listen, we're not going to fire you, but you have to resign. I, I, don't, I don't see any way that Daryl Morey survives into next year. Uh, they'll probably have some, some sort of contract settlement, so he still gets his money. They'll They'll voice support for him. But I don't see how he can move forward as the general manager of the Rockets.
3: Wow, that's interesting, John. Because I guess my reaction would be that if you're going to do that, you should have done it right now, or you should you should have had it happen right after this incident to try to calm things down. It it sounds like you think it's not going away, and that they're going to have to do this. Is this almost like a uh, a sacrificial lamb to the Republic of China? Yeah. Look,
0: I, they're not going to fire him because then the NBA looks like they're supporting you know communist China. So they're, you know, when they when the Rockets say they're we're not going to fire Daryl Morey, they're right. They're not going to fire him. But I could see Daryl Morey having a press conference in the next week to a month to, to maybe around the All Star break or whatever, and saying, "Listen, I don't want to be a distraction uh, for the sake of the NBA, for the good of the Rockets. I'm going to step away." But behind the scenes, I could see, and you guys know this happens. You know, some sort of settlement contractually, and and they have it back that way. That's to me, that's that's the least the path of least resistance. The Rockets can still, and the NBA can still look like they support Daryl Moore's right to say that, but Daryl Moore is gone. So maybe you have that, that connection again with the the China Chinese billions of dollars. I can see where that word ends up.
2: Boy, I love having our local affiliates on John Lopez, sports radio, Houston six ten there. I hope you're wrong because I hope the NBA and I hope the Rockets stand by Daryl Morey and do the right thing here. And that is just weather the storm, keep him in place, and get the conversation back to basketball. But that was one heck of a marker you put down, my friend. Thanks, John. Appreciate the time.
0: Thank you, guys.
2: Ross, let's quickly react to that prediction and and, and update this story, because Steve Kerr, who I have defended throughout this process, I think there is nothing hypocritical about speaking about U.S. politics, about speaking about the U.S. president and staying out of foreign politics. That's a smart move. That's not hypocritical. Then it was unearthed over the weekend that Steve Kerr had retweeted support for the Hong Kong protesters a few weeks ago. How about that? and John Lopez's prediction there?
3: Well, so first of all, John Lopez's prediction is really interesting because that's one of the things that's awesome about this show, Home and Home. We've got radio.com affiliates everywhere so we can actually go in to the heart of these stories. And John Lopez, I don't think John Lopez says that offhand, right? I, I think he really has talked with enough people to believe that there's a very real possibility that that's what ends up happening. That would be a very interesting look for the NBA and in particular the Rockets. And of course they would do it in a way that it's Daryl's decision and it wouldn't be the NBA it would be the Rockets and all that stuff. But I continue to see the hypocrisy of almost everyone involved other than you, Dave Briggs, you (laughs) now, I don't agree with you. But you've been strident in your belief with Steve Kerr and the things that Steve Kerr said and that it's he's not going to touch international politics. I give you, my partner, a lot of credit for showing that tweet over the weekend at Dave Briggs TV. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. The show's at RDC Home and Home. That indicated that Steve Kerr did retweet support for Hong Kong. So he does know what's going on. I don't think it's about getting my reaction at this point. My opinion hasn't changed. This just gives me more fuel for the fire. I want your opinion and your reaction after (laughs) you found out that news.
2: Yeah, look, I mean, I guess there were suspicions that he certainly knew uh, the situation there in Hong Kong. He's a very educated, well-read guy, is Steve Kerr. But again, I thought my support for him was based on him not commenting on politics in other countries, in particular Chinese politics. But when you do that, now you are wide open to the charges of hypocrisy. And I'm beginning to wane on my support for Steve Kerr and how he's handled this situation. Uh, he's going to have to be, and because of that retweet, he's going to have to now set before reporters and answer questions again, about why in one situation it is okay and what is a situation it is not. Uh, Every time you think and hope this story is over, it is not. Steve Kerr will have to further elaborate why in one situation he was comfortable and the other he is not. The NBA has got to figure a way to put this behind them. I think Adam Silver has been brilliant. He has walked that tightrope over the Grand Canyon of international diplomacy, economics, and sports but the problem will not go away anytime soon. And an interesting prediction from John Lopez about the future of Rockets GM Daryl Morey. Coming up in the next hour, we'll go back into another home market here on Home and Home. We'll go to uh, Green Bay and talk to our good friend Olivia Reiner about the Packers situation. A Monday night are coming up. Also, is the Pope. A Saints fan, and more on the Mitch Trubisky Bowl, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes. We didn't talk enough about the Chiefs' offense. Is the playbook now firmly established? How to beat them and how to keep Mahomes off the football field? We're back on Home and Home after a real quick break.